Bless you in the name of the Lord. So excited that you're here with us. I've, I would not want to go to a church where I'm the only one there. It just would not be that fun for me, you know. I mean, picture the joy of having others join you with the greatest show on earth, Jesus Christ, and all that he's doing in the earth today. It's amazing the show that Jesus is putting on and not taking credit for. But we're going to give him glory and honor today. We're going to give credit where credit belongs. We're going to give Jesus all the glory and the honor and praise. The neat and awesome thing about Jesus is that he's so unselfish that he shares his wealth. He shares his blessings, his kindness, his love, his forgiveness, his mercy. He gives it out without reservation and without limit. And he blesses us physically, financially, emotionally. The giftings of God are amazing, aren't they? And that he doesn't withhold. He, he's just like this with everything he wants to give us. And it's up to us to reach and to say yes. He will not force us. I think sometimes he really does a good job persuading us to take good things from him. Isn't that sad sometimes that a father has to persuade us to take good from him? I pray that we easily want to be blessed beyond measure during this season. If you'd turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 6. I did not realize when I started this series how rich chapter Luke, chapter 6 of Luke is. It's, it's phenomenal. We aren't even probably getting to half of the chapter in what we've done over these few weeks. I'm going to close out a portion of this series today because for the next two weeks, we're going to just Christmas ourselves up one side and down the other, which I'm excited about. Cannot wait. By the way, um, Pastor Tony said it in a way that Pastor Everett used to say to us when we were young people. He used to say, young people aren't the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. Isn't that awesome? And we were raised on that. And now that I'm older, I think it's fair that we say it to you, young people. This is your church. You're the church of today. And next week, we're going to allow you to take the service. Um, our next generation is just going to take it. And I'm, I cannot wait to see what God does. And I pray for all of you that you find a parking spot. All right. In the chapter 6 of Luke, we realize that Jesus is showing him. Now, I've pressed the right button, and I don't know why there's a blank screen up there. That should say, now, use your imaginations. That should say, normal generous, and then there's what? Jesus generous. Jesus generous. Luke chapter 6 talks about a generous Jesus and how to be like Jesus. So let's go to Luke 6, beginning in verse 35. But love your enemies and do good. And land, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be what? Great. And you will be sons of who? God, the Most High. For he is kind to the hardest people to love, the ungrateful and the evil, or the ungrateful and the hurtful. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. 
forgive and you will be forgiven. Would you stand with me this morning as we ask the Lord to just bless this word? I haven't you stand because I want you to engage in this prayer this morning. I want you to receive what God is about to do. Holy Spirit, we ask for the miracle of hearing. We ask for the miracle of turning your word into the very bread that we live on. Father, I pray that every heart opens in faith, believing you're about to speak to us personally today. We receive it, Jesus, bread from your hands, your word. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. 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 You may be seated. We ended this verse with forgiveness. Forgive, and you might be forgiven. Forgive, and maybe you'll be forgiven. What does it say? Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Um, I don't want you to confess out loud, but how many of you didn't have a perfect week by your own performance and standards for yourself this week? Anybody let yourself down this week? Anybody know that somebody else could have looked at you and said, you let them down and you let you down? And anybody make anybody mad? Don't raise your hand if they're sitting next to you. Anybody here need forgiveness just last week? How many of you could raise both hands like me and say, I just needed forgiveness today, on the way to church even, just forgiveness, Father. I love getting forgiveness. And I'm totally out of control of whether I receive it or not. Now, you can do things to make people want to forgive you. You can do things to help them forgive you. But the reality is there are some people that there's nothing you could do to receive their forgiveness. I do not want that person to be angry at me. I avoid that person because if they are of a bent that they are unforgiving, they are not fun to be around, and the day will come, I will offend them. I will not be able to avoid it. In fact, Jesus said offenses will come. Offenses will come. This is why family members struggle so much, because you're with yourselves 24-7, and you will offend each other. And then you say, I do to somebody who's the most awesome person you ever met, and you find out that you can't always play it perfect with them either. In fact, it's literally impossible. Most of us can't live in the mountain by ourselves without offending our own selves. (laughs) I mean, most of us can't forgive our own selves. You need to forgive yourself. God does, even if you're ungrateful and hurtful to him. He's kind to you. Give yourself a break. But in the very way we love receiving forgiveness, Jesus said, forgive so you can be forgiven. Our Father which art in heaven, seven things to eight things, Jesus, eight segments, seven to eight segments in the greatest prayer ever given to man. His disciples says, teach us to pray. And, and, and Jesus lays out seven to eight portions of a prayer called the Lord's Prayer. 
And of those seven to eight things he chose from, I mean, think about it. You're the Lord of the universe, and you only can tell people seven to eight things to pray about on a daily basis. What would you pick? What a tough list to pare down. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who owe us or trespass against us. One of the seven things Jesus puts in that prayer is the aspect of forgiveness and the correlation between your ability to give the gift of forgiveness so that you might receive the gift that you will need. We're living in a day that, well, it's a season of giving gifts. And I would argue the greatest gift you could ever receive is forgiveness. It's actually the ticket that gets you into the pearly gates, gets you into the presence of God for eternity, forgiveness. The Lord Jesus forgiving you allows you to have eternal salvation. It's one of the greatest the greatest gift you can I can receive. But what's beautiful about it is God gives you the opportunity to give somebody else the greatest gift they can receive. When you forgive somebody, you give one of the greatest gifts you can give. And here's the kicker. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And in the area of forgiveness, it plays out 100% true. The greatest gift you can give yourself is to forgive somebody. They say forgiveness is the only poison you and I, unforgiveness is the only poison you and I drink, hoping it'll kill the other person. You're just bitter, you're angry, and you're, you're going to hate them so bad, it'll get them. It doesn't get them. It kills you. Greatest gift you can give somebody is give that up, forgive them, and your life will blossom. Forgive others, and you'll be forgiven. I, I just um, was really taken. George H. Bush is sitting down with a pretty strong Democrat and a pretty strong Republican. This should be the picture of the church, by the way. I heard this story talking about our president just passed away, George H.W., the senior expected to be reelected in 1992, was hugely disappointed when President Bill Clinton became president. I don't remember specifically, but how many of you would guess that many hurtful and personal things were said on both sides about each other? No doubt about it, that during a brutal United States campaign, it's almost impossible for the two candidates not to say things that are really hurtful, personally even, against the other person. President Clinton beat George H.W. Bush. President Bush was known for his strong moral compass. We saw when he was given a tribute after his death just the quality of character this man had. I did not know, though, in my research that President Bill Clinton, although he would not be one of the top having a strong moral compass, 
ended his term as one of the top third presidents in history in approval rating. We forget that sometimes. Because many of us in Christendom, of course, we're not going to at any level condone immorality. That makes us... Um, vulnerable to arrogance. We have to be really careful when we get in that mindset. Regardless, around 2005, the media found out during this time, the current president, the son of George H.W., asked President Clinton and President Bush, former President Bush, to work together to raise funds for the hurricane in New Orleans called Katrina. During that time, they were being interviewed and this picture happened and the media discovered that through the course of time, these two men had forgiven one another. Can you imagine being President Bush and the things that the Clinton campaign would have said against him? He's expected to be reelected. He isn't reelected. And then President Clinton goes on to have his presidency racked with all kinds of morality issues. A man like George Bush, who had a strong moral compass, could have just done this and gone, thought so. It's all coming out now, isn't it? I've been moral when nobody could see me be moral. And now he's getting his. And yet after President Clinton became was no longer president, it's said that they reached across the aisle, so to speak, and became dear friends. President Clinton visited the House on several occasions. Initially, Barbara Bush did not like President Clinton. You know what it's like, wives, when another man's done your man wrong. But she couldn't help herself. She fell in love with him and invited him back. And they, they played golf, I think, together, did a lot of things together. And recently... President Clinton gave a tribute. President Bush became like a father to him that he never had. Isn't forgiveness a wonderful thing? Isn't it a wonderful thing? Forgiveness, the mystery, the miracle, and power of forgiveness. For a man who was perceived an enemy to become like a son to another man, and both sides had to forgive. You know they did. And yet they love each other in the end. I love that story. I love that story. The mystery, the miracle and power of what happens when you forgive. Now in this story, both men were already powerful. They were already famous. We really can't say it turned the world around other than it gives us finally an example of what should happen across the aisle politically and what should happen in God's house. There's a story in the Bible to me that typifies the mystery, miracle, and power of forgiveness. And, and we may turn to a portion of it, but when I read the story of the New Testament, I marvel at how God built the church. All of Christendom started on the cross. Yes? 
I mean, it started in Bethlehem. It started in the New Testament. It started in Genesis. Yes, 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 yes. But the cross was the birth of the church when they pressed the spear into Jesus' side, out gushed the church. And the church was birthed. And one of the last things that Jesus said on the cross was, Father, forgive them. This is how Christendom started. It started on the base of forgiveness at every level. Forgiveness for the sins of the world. Forgiveness for your sins. Forgiveness for all man's inhumanity to man. All of sin was placed upon Jesus and it was forgiven by God for Jesus did not come into this world to condemn the world, but that through Jesus we might be saved. Forgiveness birthed us into God's kingdom. And all we have to do is ask for it and you've got it. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And boy, didn't they know. I mean, now every one of them knows better. But there was also a second verse to that same song with the very first Christian martyr. The church began to grow and grow and grow and get more and more influential. And the Pharisees, Sadducees that were against Christ hated the movement. They thought they'd killed it, but they'd only blown the fire into a, a wildfire. And then a man by the name of Stephen rose up as a deacon in the church, as a servant, a cabbage guy. And this table servant just began to light things up in miracles and in the way he would preach. And man, he became the lightning rod for the enemy because he just stood up and he just radiated the light of Jesus. And the day came when the diabolical plans that were there among the religious community came against Stephen and he gives this amazing treatise and a whole chapter of the book of Acts on the history of God and his people, bringing it to and culminating with Christ, basically saying, in this Christ, who is the Savior, you crucified. And you're like the prophets of old who spoke against your fathers who turned against all the words of God. You're turning against the Son of God even today. And they began to gnash their teeth and rage, and they rushed upon him as a wild uncontrollable mob and they drug this beautiful Christian man out to the outskirts where they had a lot of big rocks and they began to kill him with stones. And Stephen has a vision at that time and he sees Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father which only inflamed them even further and they threw rocks until he fell to his knees. He said, Father, receive my spirit and he fell to his knees and at that point he said this, how many know? Raise your hand what he said. Father, forgive them. Do not hold this sin against them. I mean, I don't know if that's a ratchet up from Jesus. Forgive them. They know not what they do. That kind of helps me when people are ignorant and hurting me. But what if they know they're hurting me? Am I able to say, Father, don't get even with them. Bless them. Don't curse them, Father. Don't hold this sin against them, Father. Don't, no, God, don't. That man that threw that rock, God, forgive him. Don't hold. Would you fight for these people like Stephen did? Christianity was birthed again that day. The bedrock of your very faith is forgiveness. It's at the root of why we can live in a world that's so flawed. 
Live in a body that's so flawed. Live in a brain that's so flawed. And understand that God still loves us. And that we shouldn't just love God for that, but we should love one another for that. But they're flawed. Yes, forgiveness. Your very faith has to begin in forgiveness. Forgive yourself, let God forgive you, and then allow his forgiveness to pour into you and love the world despite itself. Wow, Stephen, can you imagine his entry into heaven as the first martyr? Him and Jesus were like a band of brothers, weren't they? Wow, what a man of God. But then the momentum of rage against the Christian church broke out that day. They saw they got away with killing one of the superstars of Christianity, and the persecution began in earnest and heated up, mainly through a guy by the name of Saul. He was a zealot Pharisee among Pharisees. He'd been trained. He was so strict in his belief system. He hated what Jesus and the Christians stood for. And he began to persecute the church in a terrorizing fashion, killing, jailing. It, in fact, he was so good at what he did that the thousands and thousands, now we, we don't know how many Christians were in Jerusalem. Jesus has said, go into the world. They weren't going. There was at least, what, 3,000 on the day of Pentecost, 5,000 after the guy got healed, and then the church multiplied daily. And they weren't leaving Jerusalem. But when Saul got done, the church had dispersed. Scattered Christianity. Way to go, Saul. Literally scattered Christianity through the whole known world because of his righteous persecution of the Christians. He was brutal. He hated them. He spared. There was no mercy shown. In fact, he did such a good job in Jerusalem. His work was almost done. He wanted to go other places. So he got permission from the powers that be he had a document that said, I have the right to jail, kill, persecute any other believer. And he's on his way to do that. Now, I'm going to back up a little bit on this story of Saul. The mystery, the miracle and power of what Stephen did is reverberating even in you today. Because standing in the midst of those violent, mean, unforgiving people, brutal terror us was a young man by the name of Saul that said hey you know what you can throw a stone a lot better if you get rid of your outer jacket give me your coats everybody loosen up your arms hey hey that coats let me hold it and they dropped all the coats at his feet and he was in full agreement with what was going on and then he heard something that probably rattled his world deeper than he realized father Forgive all of them. Don't hold this sin even against Saul. Did you realize Saul heard that? And saw it with his own eyes and ears. And as mad as he was, he was blind with rage. He didn't process it maybe at the time, but you can imagine. While he's beating these people up, he's hearing those words over and over and said, Father, don't hold this sin against Paul. Don't hold this sin against Saul. Don't hold it. Saul was his Hebrew name. And on the way to further do damage to this cause, Jesus strikes him down right in the middle of the road. And the light shines so bright it blinds him. 
And Jesus says, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul, why do you persecute me? Why do you kick against the inevitable? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus who you persecute. Now go, and I'm going to send a man to heal you. And I think it was for a couple, three days, Saul was totally blind. Meanwhile, a man who's really in the know by the name of Ananias, who lives in that city, that knows that Saul is coming to kill him, is told by the Lord, I want you to go heal the terrorist. What? Heal the terrorist. Yeah, so he can see better to throw the next rock. Right, God. Ananias, forgive him. No. I don't see what good this will do. I don't see the mystery, the miracle, and the power of me forgiving Paul. Now, what I think Jesus does with us is takes us where we're at and takes us in baby steps. I think he did that with Ananias because finally Jesus says to Ananias, Ananias, I, when you, after you pray for him, I'm going to show him everything he will suffer for serving me. Oh, okay, then I'll go. <laughs> I think that helped Ananias just a little bit. I think Ananias needs a little shove as long as he'll suffer a little. But Ananias forgives him, prays for him. His sight comes back. He teaches Paul about the Lord and the Holy Spirit. They baptize Saul, who takes on then the world's Latin name, Paul. That was the Roman name for Saul. Now the church now has a decision what to do with this man. Now, those of you that know the story after the story and are here 2,000 years later can look back and know how many of you are voting for the church to allow Paul to become Paul. Your entire New Testament is influenced by Paul, is given to you by God through Paul. The entire book of Acts is centralized around his life and how he dominates the world for Jesus. He writes majority of the epistles in your New Testament. He establishes the way churches ought to run and this man ultimately writes the definitive work on love. Anybody have his 1 Corinthians 13 love read at your wedding? Raise your hand. Even people that aren't as dedicated to the Lord as a strong Christian will have 1 Corinthians 13. Love is believing all things, hoping all things, enduring all things. Love never ends. Don't hold the wrong against others. This is written by the terrorist that the church forgave. And as a result of forgiving Paul, God gave to the church the greatest gift the church could have ever received outside of Jesus Christ. Because of forgiveness. Forgiveness started the whole thing. And it took the worst of the worst and forgiveness turned the worst of the worst into the best of the best. Forgiveness 
will work in your life mysteriously, miraculously, powerfully. You will not know what will happen to your life when you release a gift of forgiveness into the world around you. It will promote you. It will love on you. It will protect you. It will guard you inside and out. And every one of you and I need forgiveness. So give it liberally. For those who give, will receive. The very next sentence after Luke writes the words of Jesus, forgive and you shall be forgiven, is the next line that says, give. And it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall it be poured into your life. I don't know about you, but this year, as much as any other year in my life, I've needed others to pour forgiveness into my life. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. And many of you had that so much in your life, it ran over into my life. When you forgive, it brings the gift pressed down, shaken together, and running over in your life. I like that Christmas gift, don't you? Hmm. What a season to talk about forgiveness. But what a better season to allow it to work in our lives. Brood over it as a gift like you would the greatest gift you're going to give your spouse or your children or a relative or a friend. Think about it. Long for it. Get up at four on Black Friday and shop for it. Then bring the best bow, the best package, and wrap it up and give it to those around you. You'll be known as the greatest gift they've ever received. Lori. I love the fact that I'm speaking to a group of people that are amening me right now. What a church to go to. Who doesn't want to go to a church that has forgiveness? Flowing out the doors and windows. Flowing from every chair, from every pew, from every aisle, from every foyer, from every work of service and act of God. Forgiveness flows from this church. Oh, that God would cause it to be like rivers of water that people have to swim in. And no man can cross it. it won't, he won't stop it. Don't allow anybody to stop the river of forgiveness in your life. Don't give them that authority. Don't give them that permission. Let the river of God flow in your life. Would you stand with me this morning as we close? Laurie, go ahead. Lead us in a song. Laurie, you can quietly play. You know, just as Pastor Ralph was speaking, I, I'm just reminding myself that Forgiveness is a process. <laughs> it's not a one-time event. You know, you don't just do it once, but you might wake up the next morning and go, God, you know, I, I choose to forgive all over again. And it is a choice. It's a choice where you are literally letting it go. And you're also refusing to let Anger and resentment consume you because that's what it does. It consumes you. 
And this morning, we want to take care of first things first. I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus Lord of your life. So I'd like everyone in this room to bow your heads, close your eyes, and repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I'll make you my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you prayed that simple prayer with sincerity, then we believe that you are a child of God. We want you to keep God first in your life, and he's going to take you places that you never, ever dreamed of. But now I want to go to the next step. I want you to close your eyes again. I want you to repeat after me, Jesus, are there any people or circumstances that I need to forgive? And let's just be quiet for just a moment. Now again, repeat after me. Father, I choose to forgive. I choose to let this go. I choose to let this go. I choose to let this go. I place my trust in you knowing that you will bring justice. Amen. Now, if you would like personal prayer for healing or a deeper forgiveness, financial needs or whatever, um, as Lori is playing here, I'm going to ask that you just go back to this corner here. That's our prayer corner. If you need extra prayer, we're also going to have the the altar open for you. If you want to come up and just have a personal time with you and the, and the Lord. And for the rest of you, then you can just be dismissed. And Lori, I'm going to have you start to sing so they'll know when to be dismissed. I changed things up on her a little bit. So here are your options. When Lori starts to sing, you're either going back to the prayer corner, you're coming up to the altar, are you being dismissed in Jesus' name? I bring an offering of worship to my King. I bring an offering of worship to my King. I bring an offering of worship to my King. I bring it all. 
Hey.